Have you ever taken a penny quiz? If not, try one right now. Without looking, ask yourself a couple of these questions. Number one, who is on the face of the penny? Number two, who's on the back of the penny? Number three, which direction is the person on the front of the penny facing? Number four, is his hair curly or straight? Number five, does he have any facial hair? Number six, is he wearing a flat tie, a bow tie, or no tie? What does it say below his chin? What does it say behind him? What does it say above him? On the back, how many pillars are there in the building? Is the building on ground level or are there stairs? What's in the middle of the building? There's two small letters in the bottom right corner of the building. What are they? What does it say below the building? What is the Latin phrase there? What does it mean? What does it say at the top of the penny? Now, those are just a few questions you could ask about pennies. But how did you do? And if it didn't go so well, ask yourself this. Why is it that something as common as a penny can be so easily forgotten? President Spencer W. Kimball once mused, When you look in the dictionary for the most important word, do you know what it is? President Kimball's answer is the word remember. In this episode, we study what the Israelites were commanded to remember as they exited their 40-year wilderness in search of perspectives or principles the Lord would have us remember as we exit from or exist in our own. Welcome to the Scripture Study Project. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, and this is our podcast where we study Scripture with you. Our goal each week is to help you discover new or renewed excitement for God and His Word, invest your heart and personal life into your study, and connect with others as you teach and learn together. Hey there, we are back this week to study with you in Deuteronomy. I would say the specific chapters, but we didn't. It's pretty much so. Come follow me has select given you a selection of readings from Deuteronomy. It's chapters six through eight. I think 11, 15, 30, 34, somewhere around there. So you can look at that and study those specific chapters. But just kind of knowing what's happening. This is kind of the last sermon of Moses as he before the children of Israel finally are almost getting ready to enter into the promised land. And um, this is kind of his final words to them as um, as all of that is transpiring. So um, you can read all of Deuteronomy. You can read the selected readings. And we hope that today's study will help you to um, find a little more out of what you are reading, to get a little more out of it as, you, as this hopefully helps you a little bit. Yeah. I think it's helpful to understand... Uh, just at the beginning, the kind of layout of the book of Deuteronomy. So uh, there's three primary sections in the book, and Come Follow Me has uh, selections from each of those major sections. The first 11 chapters are uh, Moses's message to the Israelites right on the eve of them going into the promised land. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. The Israelites that he's currently speaking to, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb, uh, are not the same Israelites that were brought out of Egypt. All of those original Israelites passed away in the wilderness. It's now their children, the next generation that's going to inherit the promised land. And so Moses speaks to them 
um, to let them know, kind of connect their history. He retells the story of the Exodus, uh, recounts what God has done for them. And then, starting in chapter 12, he relates to them um, or reminds them of the law that the, that their parents committed to uh, but were inevitably unable to obey in the wilderness. In fact, the title Deuteronomy means second law or repetition of the law. So uh, the middle sections from 12 to I think it's 28 or so um, are all repetition of the laws and commandments with some additions added in, but by and large a repetition of the laws and commandments given to the Israelites in the wilderness. And then starting in chapter 29 to the end is Moses' uh, kind of capstone sermon. As you mentioned, it's him um, bidding farewell. He knows that he will also not be allowed to enter the promised land. He gets to see it, but he doesn't get to enter it. And so uh, it's his final words to the Israelites. And then uh, we pick up in the next book with Joshua, the newly ordained leader of Israel, the new prophet, who will lead the Israelites on their conquests through and then their eventual claiming of their inheritance in the promised land. So I think that layout's a little bit helpful just as I was navigating through the book. We used to do Deuteronomy in a day in seminary and we would give a little bit of an overview and then pull some selections like this. So, Well, and that, that would be something you can find if you're more interested in, in a more detailed idea of what the book has in it. It talks, there are things that have his first discourse, his second, and then, um, but I think for me, that was really helpful to yeah. understand what what we're talking about. I think as we were talking about this, we noticed a similarity between just the context of Deuteronomy and the context that we find ourselves in in 2022 that really made this study kind of pop for us. And that is, even though it's a little bit longer for the Israelites, uh, both the ancient Israelites and modern church slash world members have been through a kind of wilderness. Um, of course, the Israelites, it was a literal wilderness that they wandered in for 40 years uh, where they really struggled with their identity and uh, the commandments that God had given them. Over the past two years, two plus years, with everything that's happened on the world stage, the pandemic being chief among them, but now we have other things that, uh, you know, Con uh, conflicts uh, in, in foreign countries and uh, political turmoil. With everything we've been through in the last couple of years, it's kind of been like a wilderness for us where we knew eventually there will be some kind of a promised land. For example, we know that eventually, uh, and we're starting to see bits of it now, but eventually there will be an end to the pandemic phase of COVID-19. And it won't be uh, quite the all-consuming presence in our lives that it has been. Um, and so we've been kind of meandering in the wilderness for the past two plus years. And even if it hasn't been a wilderness for you, you certainly know what it feels like to go through a personal wilderness where something just doesn't make sense, um, where you're, there's a tension between you and God and you're trying to figure out your relationship with him. Or you've been through a wilderness and we're on the other side of that, like you're mentioning, and and then you wonder to yourself, wait, this feels like a wilderness too. Here I am on the quote unquote other side of the wilderness, which I'm sure is better here. Yeah, I'm sure is kind of how um, the Israelites felt because okay, they've been wandering. That was their world, their life, especially these people who had been raised up in the wilderness, um, and then they're going into a place and they're going to have to make a new life and understand how to live in that new place. So really all of those things considered, I think we can say that it's pretty relatable yeah, for, yeah. for whatever stage um, you're at. 
So into that world then, the Lord reiterates a commandment to these, the second generation of Israelites, those that are on the other side of the wilderness, and then I think by extension to us. This is from chapter 4, verse 9. Only take heed to thyself, and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, unless they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. Um, verse 23 in chapter 4. Take heed unto yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you. Chapter 6, verse 12. Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And then the positive form of that commandment in chapter 8, verse 2. Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou would keep his commandments or no. And then in verse 11, forget not, that same chapter. Verse 14, remember. Verse 18, remember. And on and on and on. Uh, repeated throughout this sermon that Moses gives is the underlying commandment to forget not or to remember what the Lord has done to you throughout the pandemic or throughout the wilderness, but for us throughout the pandemic. Or your life. Or your life, or right? whatever it is, whatever wilderness you've been through. Um, and so what we wanted to do in this episode was first pose to you the question that we're not going to answer, but I think would be a, a great way to study. What is it specifically that I should remember as I either am in the middle of or maybe are coming out of a personal wilderness? Now, that's a question that the Lord will be able to direct you to find answers to as you study Deuteronomy. But... Uh, we wanted to provide just a couple of potential places you might look to find answers. Some things that Moses said to the Israelites that they shouldn't forget or that they should remember or think about. Lessons that um, we can learn from anywhere, but maybe we can learn especially well when wandering through a wilderness. Well, I'll start us off first. And this is something that I noticed that Moses talked often of kind of laced throughout many of his sermons that he gives in the in Deuteronomy. Um, and that's the decrees, the statutes, and the ordinances. It was really important to him, at least I'm saying that, because in my study that's what I felt, that they remembered um, those things that had been given to their parents, to their elders, that he really wanted them to be able to understand and know those things that their parents had been taught. Um, I'll start with reading in Chapter 7, verse 7, The Lord had his heart set on you and chose you, not because you were more numerous than all peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your fathers. He brought you out with a strong hand and redeemed you from the place of slavery. So another place that he reminds them, and I kept this oath with your fathers. I made this oath with them, and I, I stayed true to what I promised them. And then verse 9, it continues, Know that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps his gracious covenant loyalty for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commands. Um, this constant reminder, and there's a few more as throughout, but also just in this, in this chapter here, he says more, So keep the commands, the statutes and the ordinances that I am giving you to follow today. If you listen to and are careful to keep these ordinances, the Lord your God will keep his covenant loyalty with you as he swore to your fathers. 
the reminder here for me is that Moses knows that God keeps his word. And it's important to him that these people know that as well. And I think it's the same for us, that it's important to us to remember that God will stay true to the covenants that he makes with us, the promises that he makes. And they may not always turn out the exact way that we think they will, um, but that God is faithful to us. I think it's interesting too to note that sometimes it's, I don't want to say easier, maybe simpler to see God keeping his promises in a wilderness than in the promised land. Um, for the Israelites, at least, when they're in the wilderness, there is no water and there is no food. And so when God provides them water and food, it's really obvious that God is intervening in their life and doing something for them. And I know for me, over the past couple of years with the pandemic, there are some places where it was obvious that God intervened because nothing else was happening. Everything else was on pause or everything else was shut down. And so when something happened, when it, when it happens in my normal day-to-day -day life, there's a temptation for me to think, oh, I did that. But when it happens in a wilderness or when we're at our lowest, then uh, it's a lot easier to identify that God did that and then to remember that he does that and maybe to look for it in the promised land moments of our lives too. That's interesting to think that if we're using this analogy of the Israelites, because that's what we're studying about, to think that how noticeable the manna is when it's the desert mm -hmm. and it's all you can see in the sky. But in contrast to if you're in a city or you're in a place that's busy, it becomes harder to notice that those things are raining down upon you in this sense, you know, yeah. quite literally. But I think it's the same for us. Maybe that's why, you know, this stillness and this meditation has become such a, a buzz for us today is because we do live in a busy world that creates, that doesn't have that, I guess, plus side of being in the wilderness is that you notice things mm -hmm. and you can focus on God a little more. Helps us understand too why the Lord allows moments like that, right? Why aren't our lives constantly just filled with the quote unquote um, uh, land flowing with milk and honey moments? Well, maybe it's because we in those lands flowing with milk and honey, we forget um, that the Lord is providing for us. And so uh, maybe there are moments allowed when we can be clear or, or notice what he's doing for us and remember that he has been loyal to us if we even if maybe we haven't noticed it like we should be now that's a great thing uh, to remember on the other side of a wilderness another one that i focused on in my study was deuteronomy chapter six uh, these two verses verses four and five in chapter six are probably the most famous verses of Old Testament scripture, at least to New Testament Jews. Um, this is called the Shema. Shema is the Hebrew word to hear. And verse four starts with that. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So there's a reiteration of the first commandment. And then to explain that commandment in detail, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Now, we know that phrase shows up quite often in our scripture. The Savior quotes it when asked uh, in the New Testament, which are the great commandments under the law. He quotes the Shema, and he adds to it just a little bit, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, it also shows up in the Doctrine and Covenants, right? Section 4, see that you serve him with all your heart, might, mind, and strength. And then again in section 59, 
heart, might, mind, strength. Now, I spent a lot of time studying this just for my own benefit because I really wanted to understand what the difference was between serving or loving God with your heart, with your soul, with your might or strength, with your and with your mind. Here in this reference, the word heart in Hebrew connotes inner man or inner self. And so anytime you see that phrase showing up, it means to love God or serve him uh, in, your, in your heart, meaning in those secret places, in the parts of you that only you know about, your, your core identity that isn't visible to the world, that those personal relationships that you might have with God, that's the first place that's often mentioned where we love and serve God is in our hearts. In uh, the word soul connotes our life or our breath. So this is our external life, uh, at least the way that it's connoted here. So to love God with all of your heart means to love him with your inward self. To love him with your soul means to love him with your life, your breath, your uh, the things that you put out into the world. Might in Deuteronomy 6 is an amplifying word. It's actually an adjective. Um, and what it is, is it amplifies the other two. This is not a very refined way of saying it, but essentially what it's saying is, yeah, do that a lot. In fact, one of the definitions of the Hebrew word translated as might was muchness. What about like, like you, I feel like you need a hand gesture You'd hand with gesture this one. Like, like, some yeah, emphasis, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's kind of an exclamation point on those two, heart and soul, with your inner self and with your outward self. Then, when the Savior addresses that question in Matthew 22, he's asked which is the great commandment of the law, and he says heart and soul again, but then he also adds the word mind, and it could be the context. He's being asked that question uh, by a lawyer, someone that's trying to do this intellectual battle with him, and he adds to the list of inward self and outward self your, your logical self in your thoughts and your understandings. And then uh, in chapter Mark chapter 12, he adds the word strength. And so that's the first time where we see those four, heart, soul, mind, strength. And then section 4 and section 59 have those as well. Strength meaning, of course, your, your physical body, your, your actual uh, tangible, actionable self. And so to me, that's a really fascinating way to view our relationship with God. And something I think going through a wilderness helps us to especially perceive. There's a lot of time to spend with your inward self in a wilderness. When the world is quiet, when it's shut down, when things aren't going well in your life and you're left just to those quiet moments, uh, sometimes those are the best times, maybe even the only times, when we can really contemplate and work on our service to God or our love to God from our heart, from our inner self. It's kind of cool to study those and to separate them in that way, it kind of made me think of what we were just studying in these places, whether you're in the wilderness or in the busy world. And this is kind of separating yourself, recognizing that your heart and your mind and your soul, that they're different ways. They're different ways that you're remembering God. You can remember God differently in your heart. You can remember him different differently in your soul, um, especially as we think of it as that life or your breath of what you do and how you do it. Um, so I think it's it's a great way to remember and to not forget who God is um, as we think of the many different ways in which we can remember him, yeah. even within our own being. Well, and to that point, uh, the following, the verses right after the Shema is, is given, 
uh, there are some specific directions on what they are supposed to do to remember this commandment to love God with all of your heart and soul. Uh, verse 7, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk to them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, which, as a side note, is probably one of my favorite parenting verses in the scriptures. When do you talk to your kids? You talk to them when you're sitting at home, when you're walking, when you're lying down, when you're waking up, any time that you can. But then it also goes on uh, and it gives them the direction to bind them for a sign between your eyes. So the phylacteries that they would the block, the black box they would put the shame in, the Jews would put the shame in and wear in front of their eyes. Um, verse 9, they, thou shalt write them on the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord God shall have brought thee into the land, which he swore unto thy fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. I love that whole passage. Remember to love God with your heart, with your soul, and with your mind. Here are some physical ways that you can do that. And remember, when things are good again, don't forget that it's God that gave you those good things. Well, the next point that I wanted to talk about as we try and figure out how we can remember or not forget God is one that um, Jesus quotes in the New Testament. So we know it's a good one, right? Um, so many of you probably know this but and have it memorized, but maybe don't even know what the verse is. At least that was my case. It says, this is chapter 8, verse 3, He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your fathers had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. I think this is an important thing for all of us to remember. We need to find ways to connect with the Word of God, to know and understand Him through His words in the Scriptures, through prayer and communication to our hearts and our minds, um, but to remember that there is more important things than just the physical, that the spiritual is also part of our life, part of our being, part of who we need to be, and that as we um, take time for him, that he is faithful and he takes time for us too, as we've already talked about. Well, I like this one because, as you mentioned, uh, when Jesus is fasting for 40 days in the wilderness and Satan comes tempting him, he tempts him with something physical, with a temptation of the physical appetite. Turn these stones into bread. And Jesus quotes this scripture, which is teaching, you don't live just by bread, but by the word of God. And as I think about um, just me and, and the past couple of years in the pandemic and, and what that's done for my the balance between my physical and my spiritual life, um, it's easy in a world that's hustling and bustling to be focused on the tangible and the physical and the visible. But one thing that happened for me as I went through my own personal wilderness was because that tangible, physical, visible world wasn't as present, uh, I was forced as the wrong word because I didn't do it unwillingly, but I was compelled to focus more on the Word of God, to focus more on my relationship with Him, um, 
I mean, we weren't even going to church for you know however long we weren't having formal church meetings. And so even that aspect of life was taken away. Uh, not that that's a, per, I've heard a lot of people say, boy, I wish we just have this all the time, pandemic church, you know, no church and home sacrament. There is a place for community worship and formal religious observance and ordinances and covenants. But it was a great benefit, I think, to all of us to have some time to focus just ourselves on the word of God and our own spiritual nourishment. And maybe have that separation from physical and spiritual where we really did have to seek after the spiritual because so much of the physical was gone. I think that that was a kind of a forced reminder for us to focus in on what our priorities are and um, remember that that's really true. Man cannot live on bread alone. We can't live on just the the day in and the day out and the physical going through something without putting that spiritual, that maybe you can help me with the words here, Zach, that, <laughs> I can take a um, picture of your hands. <laughs> that I know I'm always doing hand gestures, that, that oomph that we need. <laughs> um, but the, it needs to be more than just going through the motions of things that we can remember him. And it's important that we do that by adding that spiritual side, by not forgetting that that's a really important element of, of our lives. Well, that brings us, I think, really good to a final point that uh, that I noticed. This is in chapter 14, so it's not one that Come Follow Me identified, but it's one that I found uh, was an es- a special point of emphasis for Moses that he wanted the people to remember. And it's a reiteration of something he said, Exodus 19, right before he gave, right before the Lord gave the Ten Commandments. Uh, Verse 2, Thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. One of the reasons for the Israelites being in the wilderness for 40 years is because they needed time to separate themselves fully from Egyptian life and culture, which they couldn't actually do. That's the reason why we're dealing with the second generation now, because the first generation just couldn't quite let go of Egypt full enough. But the Lord wants a holy, if you remember our episode on that, that means a something set aside for a sacred purpose or peculiar, a special possession. He wants them to be different. Uh, I like the specifics in chapter 16, um, where the Lord gives specific instructions, or chapter 17, sorry, specific instructions about kings. Uh, this is very prophetic because it's outlining exactly what will happen. It says in verse 14, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall possess it, and shall dwell therein, and shall say, I will set a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me. Which is exactly what the Israelites will do to Samuel the prophet. They'll beg for a king, even though they know they shouldn't have one. And the Lord gives them instructions here on the kind of king they should have. They should choose one that, verse 16, will not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt. Verse 17, shouldn't multiply wives or silver and gold. Uh, Verse 18, he should write a copy of this law in a book. Uh, And then verse 19, read in it all the days of his life and keep all the words of the law. That's a very different kind of king. It is not a king who is the ultimate authority. It's a king who is subject to God's ultimate authority. In other words, the Lord is saying, even in your government, you are going to be extremely different from the people around you. We actually have historical records of what kings were like in other cultures and religions around that time. And it was not this. Kings were demigods or gods. They represented God on earth. And here the Lord is saying, that won't be you. You will not be like everyone else. You'll be a peculiar people. Even your king will be subject to divine law. 
I think it's important to remember when we go through wildernesses that they make us uh, different or, or they make us peculiar. They make us holy. They give us experiences that help us separate ourselves from maybe what's happening around us and better connect ourselves to what's happening with God. Well, I read in a Bible commentary something very similar that fits right in with what Zach's saying here, and that is that it was the chance for the Israelites, for Moses, for wanting to tell them in all of these words of wisdom and sermons that he gave, was that this is that your chance to transform yourself, to allow this wilderness to be something that turns you into something, that helps you transform yourself and the world around you, your family, your community, rather than stepping back into society and conforming to what's already in place or conforming to maybe some of the things that you don't agree with. And I think that's a very similar thing that we have the opportunity to do really every day. Are we going to transform ourselves and allow um, God, and as we remember him, to transform us into the people he sees us to become and that he knows we can become? Or are we just going to conform to what's hap- whatever's happening around us? So whether that wilderness comes from um, spending 40 years as an Israelite hiking through the, the desert, or whether that comes from um, your own personal wilderness, whether that was something that happened in the last two years with our huge change of life during COVID, or maybe it's a completely unrelated thing. But I think that's the opportunity that all of us have is to not forget that God is there and to allow him to transform us into something. Thank you so much for studying with us this week in as we studied the entire book of Deuteronomy. Look at that. (laughs) We did it. Um, We hope that you have a great study, and we will be back next week. See you then.